Welcome back to the McCarter Gets High podcast, your source for all things plant-based medicine, including fungi. I'm your host, McCarter, joined by my producer, Schiller. In this episode, we talk to Zach Dorsett, a second-generation cannabis farmer, as well as a partner at Blue Forest Farms, an organic hemp farm and lifestyle brand based out of Longmont, Colorado. We take a closer look at terpenes, what they are and how they can benefit us, and this crazy fungus that's inside of you right now, controlling what you think and eat. And lastly, we dissect the miracle plant that is hemp and how it's going to change the future of agriculture, apparel, medicine, and even building houses. So throw on your chemist bifocals because in this episode, we dive into the science and the ultimate benefits of this plant and the future of this valuable commodity. Are you like me and constantly losing your lighter, breaking your pieces, or running out of papers? The Hemper Box sends me a subscription box with fresh accessories every month and I never am running out to the head shop for my basics. Check them out at hemper.co and be sure to use my code McCartergetsHigh. I have been loving having cleaner lungs thanks to my tar cutter, a coconut carbon filter that cuts 93% of inhaled tar from bong rips. Use my code High and check them out at tarcutterlabs.com. So my name is Zach Dorsett. I am one of the visionaries and partners at Blue Forest Farms. And, you know, I take a pretty active role there and just like the seed program and then I also operate a post-harvest processing facility in Colorado Springs called Ecclesius Extracts, where we, yeah, we process hemp for like almost 60 farms now all across the U.S. And a lot of guys in Colorado, but a few folks out in like Illinois, North Carolina, Kentucky. I think we've got one in Ohio. I really want to hear about how you first became interested in cannabis or your first experience getting high. And then we can kind of go through time until present and what you're doing now. Yeah, no, for sure. So I got into some trouble in a, as a young adult, not really on in pot at all, but just kind of being a little twerp, you know? (laughs) 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 Yeah, Yeah, same. Me too. (laughs) I've been there. Not doing things I was supposed to, being disrespectful. And so I got in trouble. I actually, when I was in high school, I was (laughs) in like a, um, group home living environment which is for people that don't know it's okay. like um just a setting where you can get a little bit more supervision as a troubled youth um and so mm-hmm. yeah that's actually where i first smoked pot was in this group home in mendocino county we were like right in the heart of the weed country <laughs> all those kids that i grew up with that really were growing up in the industry they just had like a different perspective. They were a little more evolved than like us kids that, that weren't as connected. And, and my dad grew, you know, and um, mm-hmm. I'm like, I am a second gen. Um, That's so activist cool. Aficionado, yeah. But I only met my dad like late in life. So I met him when I was in twenties, um, early twenties. And so before that, I didn't really know about that connection. And so it's been kind of a, like a rediscovery later in life. It helped me reconcile all this stuff, though, because before that, you know, I just kind of had one perspective, which was my mom's, which was like 
that smoking pot was bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and of course. So like, but I met my dad and he's, he's like a Rasta. Like he's got like dreads down to his feet. You know? and he um, has been working with this plant like all his life and just has a. Total so he's an OG. Oh, total OG. Um, <laughs> and man. And so like, and he, he was growing pot. And so like, I got to learn about growing and just kind of just this whole different perspective. The plant actually helped with a lot of like past trauma and kind of getting through that and like reaching out to family that you had kind of like maybe disowned or like not even disowned, but just kind of put out of like your heart and your head maybe. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think families get disconnected for a lot of different reasons. It was definitely no intention of mine or like my dad specifically that caused us to become estranged um so um but it was yeah i mean it was it's been a big uh tool for me to try to unravel you know not just trauma from my life but like generational trauma and um just kind of coping the everyday struggles of um you know american life as a as a mixed race man and <laughs> you get, you get side eyes. sometimes. <laughs> I mean, do you feel like you ever were like walking a line between, you know, f- fulfilling a stigma and also being like, no, this plant can do so many amazing things and just constantly fighting that battle. Yeah, I mean, it's so weird because like, I didn't even realize that I was kind of falling into a stigma or anything like that until it was like, I was on vacation in Florida in like, I haven't taken a ton of vacations in my life. I just kind of, I grew up kind of poor and, and now as an adult, I'm like a total workaholic. So I just like, I honestly don't <laughs> vacations. Like I just have a hard time with them. Um, but yeah, you deserve it. <laughs> they're hard though. They're hard. I'm going to start, I'm going to start emailing you monthly and be like, you need to plan your vacation. <laughs> <laughs> your next oh, vacation. Here's I, a you link. Know, I really, sh- I do need to, I need to, plan my next vacation. So I was down in Florida. I was in the Keys. And like, um, you know, I probably smelled like pot because like I brought a little pot with me, smoked some pot. Yeah, um, of course. But I bring pot everywhere I but go. But it was just like this girl, this lady just came up to me. and was like, oh man, hey, do you have, any, you have any weed for sale? And it was the first time I kind of realized. For sale. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I, wow. And I was like, it was the first time I kind of realized that like, that was kind of a stigma in my life. I don't know. Before that, you just you just don't really think about it, you know. But um, it's a thing for sure. I don't know. I mean, you know, people people be asking you if you got weed sometimes, you know. And why do you see this plant as so important to mankind and our culture? I mean, I see it as a deep part of our history. You know, I don't see it as being like this newly discovered wonder. It's been something that was taken away from us, you know. And so, and it's taken a lot of people's lives and sacrifices, you know, and disproportionately people of color's lives and sacrifice, you know, and freedom to like get us to this place where we are now, where we, we have access to cannabis, you know, the way that we had, we do now and, and to hemp. And I mean, it's like, it's everything. It's going to rewrite. I mean, the medicine piece is big. That's like where all the value is right now. Every, the, the need for like medicine and our culture is so deep right now, but we're going to come to a place. And I think honestly, in the next maybe two to four years where we're like 
illness doesn't impact our lives, families, and communities the way that it does now, you know? And what I mean by that is like today, there's literally people, you know, in your community, maybe even in your family that are losing their homes, you know, that are draining their retirement accounts, you know, um, to pay for medical expenses, all these types of illnesses that cannabis becomes this really, you know, actually like really low cost, you know, and in some cases, you know, even more effective, you know, treatment um, that doesn't require as much medical care. You know what I mean? Like you go in and get chemo, you're talking about an army of nurses, uh, you know, a small platoon of doctors. The vision is, is that we can offer, we can empower people, you know, with cannabis. Cannabis empowers people to take control of their health in ways that, you know, other plant medicine hasn't, doesn't, you know, I don't think in the same way, even though I'm really excited about the plant medicine revolution as a whole. And, you know, I do, cannabis is just one offering there, you know, and, and the fact that we have this system inside our body that makes cannabinoids and uses it to modulate like all these systems, GPR 18, this is the, this is the receptor that controls inflammation. Okay on a clear level. Yeah. So what it does is it holds on to a G protein. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so like it'll convert this G protein on site in response to external stimuli or in response to signaling from another adjacent cell. And then that basically causes the inflammatory inflammatory response in that cell and then signals the cells in that region and adjacent to it basically to um, do the same thing, you know? And what that means is like you get kind of a added um, circulation, you know, to that site um, there, you know, there's, there's a lot of immune benefits, right. To inflammation. And that's why it's, it's an important part of the autoimmune response, but oftentimes, you know, we are, our autoimmune system is like overreacting or inflammation is actually causing this cycle, right. Of problems in the body. And so the, cannabinoids, certain cannabinoids they're finding actually inhibit that inflammation response on a cellular level through that receptor site, that GPR-18 receptor. And I just can't believe that governments and systems have been trying to suppress plant use, you know, across, you know, cultures back in time for like hundreds, if not thousands of years when there's, you know, evidence in cultures using it in like, you know, early Egyptian cultures and across, you know, the world because it is a naturally growing plant. <laughs> well, do you want to talk about any of the discoveries that y'all have made at all or? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and I want to, when you come down to the lab, I'll have to show you the oil that we're producing because what we did yeah, we went through like, okay, so we were making oil in a very similar fashion to I think most processors, solvent extractors make oil, you know, um, a lot of the same equipment, centrifuge type, you know, evaporation, evaporator type. And we went through and just like rewrote everything with the, um, with the terpenes in mind. Okay. And so, yeah, like the future of hemp cannabis therapy for us is really tied to the terpenes, you know? And, and you yes. Terpenes are great. <laughs> and they, they're, they're, they're therapeutic, you know, like some of the terpenes yeah. have been found to actually interact with uh, the same receptors 
the CB1 receptor in the brain, like beta karyophyllene. Um, and others have all kinds of different, you know, therapeutic um, beneficial properties. And so we, and hemp produces more terpenes, you know, and a wider range of terpenes than any other plant in the plant kingdom. I mean, you're talking about a plant that at some points is like 25%, you know, terpene terpenoids. So there's, there's a lot of implications there. So we're producing oil now that has like five to six times the terpenes that of the oil we were producing before. And now it's got this like really r- rich, robust flavor. I do want to give people listening a broader perspective. Can you explain what terpenes are? Oh, yeah. For, for the audience. Yes. <laughs> So terpenes are uh, the compounds that the hemp plant and that many plants produce that carry the flavor and scent characteristics, you know, of that plant. And so a really good example is like the herb thyme, you know, that people use in cooking rosemary, you know, the, the flavor profile in those plants is made up primarily of terpenes. And so some of the terpenes that you'll see are like thymol, which is a really powerful terpene that comes from thyme. It's got like antifungal, antibacterial uh, uh, benefits. They're actually using it in industrial cleaners now. And then you've got like pinene, you've got some limonene actually in like the rosemary. Um, And those are all terpenes that are produced by the hemp plant and produced in in other by other plants in the plant kingdom and they're really fascinating compounds you know they're fascinating because the plant actually it seems that plants actually produce terpenes including terpenoid compounds like cbd to protect themselves they're yeah they're literally defense mechanisms against insects predatory insects and my uh, microbials that would otherwise attack and that's why you'll see a variance if you've ever grown the same strain inside versus outside, you know, you'll see different expression. Some of that, you know, researchers believe is tied to the kind of response system inside the plant to produce certain terpenes to protect itself. So outside where there's more insects, you know, more, you know, natural predators, you might see terpenes getting produced that wouldn't otherwise be produced indoor. Wow. That makes total sense. Oh my gosh. Plants are crazy, <laughs> especially cannabis and hemp plants. <laughs> yeah. It really blows my mind. Cause then we take those and they have therapeutic value for us. So it's like this really weird, like symbiotic relationship that I don't, I don't quite understand, I guess, you know, I mean, I guess I do, you know, the plant can create a compound that will kill a bug that wants to attack it will kill a fungus, but, but it wants the relationship with us. You know what I mean? So the same compound is actually going to feed us. It's going to actually heal us, give us benefits. Wow. That makes me think of, Michael Pollan's theory that plants actually control humans and, and, you know, get us to cultivate them further for their own benefit. Although I think it's actually fungus. I think fungus, really, I think fungus creates plants and animals to do the things 
that it can't do. Or- wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is nuts. My mind is being blown right now. I had now. a really co- cool conversation with this hippie grower. Um, and he was like, he says there's like this fungus war going on right now between like, what? Yeah, there's a fungus war going on right now between like candida and I don't know, like the other, the other, all the other funguses. Are oh my gosh. And you got to take like, I need chaga. to research this. You got to take the chaga long story short. You got to take the chaga mushroom to the chat. We got to take the chaga mushroom yeah. to understand what's going well, on to feed the good. Let me take mushrooms in you. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to like ward off the bed. He gets pretty deep though. This is so cool. I want to learn more about this. Okay. So, well, like think about, so his thing is, is that, okay. Candida, you've heard of Candida, right? It's like a yeast culture. It lives in our. No, I know very little about fungi. Okay. So Candida is a yeast culture that lives in our guts. And oftentimes, at least in American culture, it becomes like out of whack and it, and it can cause like um, problems in the gut and, and, and elsewhere. What? Yeah. And so that is, and it's a big problem in America, like because of the diet in America. And so they found that uh-huh. this yeast, this yeast can actually change people's behavior and the way they think and the foods that they crave. Okay. What? Yeah. So, this is insane. And so his theory is that through this like manipulation of people, the candida yeast is like perpetuating this um fast return energy okay because candida thrives okay. off of like high processed foods high sugar you know <laughs> so mcdonald's basically oh yeah mcdonald's like candida basically probably owns mcdonald's like in the back <laughs> but um this is now turning into a capitalist theory <laughs> <laughs> not my theory. <laughs> I haven't decided okay, I'm a subscriber theory. yet, but it's interesting. To, okay, we gotta talk about it. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, it's so it's so fucking interesting. So, oh my god. So this is an article in the New York Times. It's called "A Mysterious Infection Spanning the Globe in a Climate of Secrecy," uh-huh. and it says the germ, a fungus called Candida auris, preys on people with weakened immune systems, <laughs> and it is quietly spreading across the globe. Over the last five years, it has hit a neonatal unit in Venezuela, swept through a hospital in Spain, forced a prestigious British medical center to shut down its ICU, and oh. taken root in India, Pakistan, and South Africa. Oh, my God. Fact checking us right now. Thank you. That's Thank you, legit, other Zach. Other Zach. There's some the truth there, oh. for sure. Holy fuck. My mind is blown right now. Yeah. A yeast is controlling what we want to eat. It's controlling what we want to eat. It's controlling, and even some behavioral aspects they've found. It's really weird. Um, but he thinks that that's- could they make us murder? Is the yeast making people murder? Yeah, I think that's a stretch. You know, but <laughs> what I could see is like you, you know, poor immune, res- poor or poor. Uh, what's that called when you think before you speak? Um, impulse control. <laughs> Oh, yes. control, you know, like I could see it like, okay. you know, yes. influencing that, you know, 
Um, and I know that that's one of the things they sure. say, like people that eat a lot of sugar, kids that eat a lot of sugar, right, have poor development, uh-huh. poor impulse controls. Um, so, yes. yeah, I could see. And then that's what it wants you to do because it wants to be able to, like, send you a craving, be like, you see a donut and it's like, eat that donut. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, ah, um, oh but you're God. not even feeding yourself. You're Is- feeding the, the yeast. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it sounds like almost like a fucking like tapeworm or something in our body that's Micro like, level, give know. me the donut. And it's one of those things too that in a good balance, it's a good thing, right? Like a healthy gut has some uh-huh. candida, you know, in it, but it's just when it kind of takes okay. over. And from what I understand, I'm again, not a, I feel I feel like I'm on a roll here because wow. I just got fat fucked in. <laughs> There's a weird no, no, no. It's I just I love weird shit like this. That I'm like, is something else controlling us that we don't know about? That's what I wanna. Yeah. I wanna dive into yeah. that. Well, we can call it like the Candida <laughs> Conspiracy Theory Podcast or okay. something. See if we get some of those the conspiracy theorists on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll be sure to plug that in for like SEO or something. <laughs> Could you tell us a little bit more about how genetics and specifically hemp and cannabis genetics will change the future of cannabis, the the industry oh, yeah. and how we consume it and why we yeah, consume I it? Yeah, I mean, it's so cool right now because there's been a ton of energy focused on like the phytocannabinoid and I think uh, to a lesser degree, the terpene profile, you know, but there are so many other applications for the plant that are now just becoming very real. You know, when we talk about fuels, when we talk about durable materials, um, you know, construction materials, energy uh, production and storage. So, yeah, I mean, that's, I think, going to be the next wave of genetics food, you know, both for people and for livestock, um, if we're still going to be. I don't know. Maybe we just throw the whole livestock thing out. We could do that too. Literally, everyone's like, "No more cows. Done with the cows." (laughs) 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 People haven't even realized though, but hemp actually has a really solid place in crop rotation, even if you're not getting anything for it, just for like the nitrogen value. So if you grow corn, yeah. So if you grow corn, we're talking about crop rotation, right? Corn nitrogen depleting so it's pulling nitrogen out of the soil um tends to be pretty aggressive i think so you tend to have to rotate your corn fields with like a nitrogen repleting crop i think like one thing is i want to say alfalfa is one i want to say uh mustard seed is also one but hemp could also be in that work you know and so just as a just as a fuel and they usually what they do with the cover crops they don't actually even harvest anything. It's just to replete the soil. And so they'll grow um, oftentimes in a short season or on the tail end of a season and then mill that biomass back into the soil and it'll act. As- they don't even care about like the buds and <laughs> the Yeah, flowers. and that's what I'm saying is now that hemp is kind of reaching these new commodity lows really is what it is, right? The, the price of the commodity has yeah. come down such so significantly, you know, all these other applications are now suddenly on the table. Like you couldn't make hemp fuel when it was $5, $10, $20 a pound. There's no way. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Right. And then, you yeah. know, even some 
So how much is a pound of hemp going for right now then? You're selling hemp right now for pretty low, lower than the benchmarks. It's weird because, you know, there's this price indexes, market studies. We used that for a long time and we were able usually to be on the upper side of that. But the market has gotten so flooded or saturated and it looks like the the average price of hemp is between two and five dollars two and five dollars that sounds good we're selling a little bit lower than that right now just because we need the money (laughs) so all of your and so what's going on with all the certified organic and stuff with as it pertains to hemp because i know that obviously all of your hemp is being grown on certified organic land with all of the certified organic, you know, materials, like all of that. But then isn't there an issue with like, you can't actually say it's. Well, so there was something? initially, I think for the first few years of the 2014 um, farm bill program, the USDA wasn't really acknowledging hemp as a commercial crop. So you couldn't get a USDA certification, but at some point we started being able to actually get the crop certified. And we actually have a certificate for the crop that certifies it, you know, from the USDA. And now there's a lot more of that too. Like there's a lot more certified organic hemp out there and like phytoremediation too, you know, that's another application of hemp that we'll probably see more of. Um, So phytoremediation is using hemp qualities to basically remediate toxins out of the soil and like they are using this at chernobyl no lie yeah literally i mean hemp can can to some degree or, or another remediate radiation from soil why isn't this being pu- like published like on the front pages? You know, it's funny like, you say that. I think people take the wrong perspective because the way that people talk about this now is it's like, be careful if you're farming hemp, don't plant it in something that has a bunch of toxins in it, heavy metals or stuff, because otherwise it's going to suck it into the plant and you're going to hang that stuff. So people are, aren't really realizing it as a benefit. They're kind of seeing it as a, almost like as a, as a downside but I think that'll shift as people really see the possibility with having a crop that can go in to soil that's beat to shit, you know, been sprayed or that has some kind of contamination on it. And it will remediate that over the course of like three to five years, uh, 10 years. With your genetics, kind of what are you looking for, I guess? So, I mean, it's a really incredible product line. I mean, we've, we're offering some products that you just can't find anywhere else um, with like in our number four and our number six lines. And so the Blue Forest Farms hemp line is separated into a number system to help customers find oils and products that they like, you know, and so each number has a specific profile that, that that's going to be consistent with that um, product line, you know, whether it's a tincture or a gummy or a topical. And so for instance, our number one is a pure CBD, so it's just um, CBD only. And so customers that are just looking for that really clean and clear experience, you know, that has the benefits of CBD specifically, that's like a perfect line for them, you know, and they can just kind of follow those numbers throughout any of their products that they're looking for. 
And then, um, you know, we've actually got nine different products, including our number four, I won't go through all of them, but our number four is a CBDV um, heavy profile that has like this more uplifting, we call it Inspire and um, Energy. And um, it's my favorite personally. Oh, well, this has been so great, Zach. Thank you so much for taking the time and shedding some straight wisdom on upon us this has been lovely and s- smoking a joint i finished my joint i've been like high and <laughs> yeah i like I'll roll life on the, the whole time no thank you so much for having me i i'm just had a great time the hemper box is the number one premium smoking accessories subscription box and head shop with a hundred dollar value for only 39.99 Discover premium glass, daily essentials, and limited edition smoking accessories delivered discreetly to your door. Check them out at hemper.co and use my code MCARTERGETSHIGH for 15% off. Thank you so much for listening to the first season of the McCarter Gets High podcast. We have had so much fun. We have learned so incredibly much. And sadly, we have to take a break for the summer, but we will be back this fall with better, bigger, and even stonier content. In the meantime, if you're a cannabis brand looking to start your own podcast, reach out to us at www.getshigh.fm. That's G-E-T-S-H-I-G-H dot F-M.